And what we've learned is that if you have a, a goal and you write that goal down with your hand, not type it into a computer, but write it down with your hand, you are 78% more likely to finish that goal. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. Well, my fellow Satorians, it has come to our attention that many of you are not yet aware of some massive news in the Satori Prime world. So let me let you in on a not so little secret right now. So Guy and I have recently created an app that you can now download on your iPhone or your Android device just by searching for Satori Prime in either iTunes or the Google Play Store. Or if you want, you can even download it directly to your desktop by going to app satoriprime.com and the reviews are in and they are lively things like life-changing i love the gamification i share this with everyone in my life and my favorite how is this free so if you want to join your fellow satorians in our very own exclusive community then like i said head either to your itunes or google play store and search for satori prime or simply go to app.satoriprime.com and install it on your desktop. So as soon as you join, what we're going to do is we're going to give you access not only to our amazing community, we're also going to give you access to a completely free 10-part transformational mini-series that we've never released anywhere else. And this is where you can begin to uncover all of these limiting beliefs and start upgrading them. Things like money, overwhelm, procrastination, You'll get to see how you can create accountability in your life like never before, and you'll get to experience life in a whole new way. So if you haven't done so already, come join our Satorian family today. Make sure to go download that app. And now it's time for the episode. Uh, about to delve into part two of my interview with Jim Benson, the author of Personal Kanban, a book that's really, really changed the way I live my life and also the way we run our business. And I wanted to share this interview with you. I've begged him to come on to this episode. This guy gets hired to train corporations for tens of thousands of dollars per day. And his knowledge is beyond. Now, one of the things we talk about in this part is specifically around kids and personal Kanban. Because what I noticed when I read the book, it seemed to me like personal Kanban was more around personal responsibility. And I kept asking Jim how that parlays into being a parent and your children and things like that. So for any of you guys that have children out there, I think this will be a revelation. And for any of you guys that are planning to have children or know people that do have children, then this will be a revelation as well. Hope you enjoy this interview with Jim Benson. We'll see you on the next one. I think also we were talking about the physical act of moving a sticky versus mm-hmm. having the, the Trello board. Like yep. the physical act of you moving a colored sticky to the done column, what that does to the brain, right? The, well, so, so there's a couple of things there. There's, there's number one, is the, there's the kinesthetic feedback. 
So when you do this, when you actually grab something and do this, your brain is, is going to remember it because it's something that your whole body did. And we actually learn with our bodies. We, we don't just learn by soaking stuff into our heads. And um, so that repetitious movement becomes part of the reward mechanism and the feedback mechanism for the system. It's like, I did something, I did something. And what we've learned is that if you have a, a goal and you write that goal down with your hand, not type it into a computer, but write it down with your hand, you are 78% more likely to finish that goal. Wow. If you type it into a computer, you're, I write a lot uh, as I'm a writer. I am constantly finding things in Google Docs and in my hard drives where I don't remember writing it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is good. Yeah, exactly. Same. <laughs> Same. That happened to me this morning. <laughs> so you have stuff that's like really that, that you have done that, that you've left in an incomplete state and you just, you just don't remember because we're so distracted by the amount of things that we're starting that we start, we don't finish things and they just kind of fall off of our radar. Yeah. Then you get it and you say, well, that's really cool. I liked writing. I'm glad I wrote that. But then you have this kind of remorse where it's, I sure would have liked to have, you know, birthed that baby. (laughs) (laughs) There's two other topics that I really want to cover with you. I can ask you like a million questions, but I know we're, we're limited on time. Um, First is we put up, I put up specifically, you know, a task, like write a book. Uh-huh. I wanted to use something big because those are kind of the ways that people think of things to do, right? Yeah. Start a business, learn to learn Facebook marketing, uh, yeah. run a marathon, write a book. We don't say, we, we never think of the first step of doing something, right? Yeah. It's always yeah. like, here's the project, buy a house, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So what I loved about this, and hopefully you guys are getting this, there are very limited rules. This is not one of the systems. Jim, throughout the entire book, consistently talks about there is no one way to, to do this. It's mm-hmm. figure out what works for you for the specific project. Just have these kind of conceptual concepts, visualize mm-hmm. your work, limit how much work you're doing. And then you saw like the boards are all different, right? So. Yeah. Someone, for example, wants to write a book, or I know in the, in the uh, book you actually used an example. Well, one of them was write a book, but the other one was um, someone had to, was, was moving their house and another mm-hmm. guy was constructing his house. He was like doing all this stuff with the construction workers. Yep. Talk about one of those stories and one of these kind of like big project examples and how it gets broken down because the timelines by which, I thought the construction mm-hmm. one was pretty interesting because his next door neighbor did it the same afterwards. So whichever you, you, you feel you want to share. So, um, so the first thing I'll note is that, uh, if you, if you, my whole name with my official title is, uh, James L Benson, AICP. So I am part of, or at least was part of the American Institute of Certified Planners. And that means that I can walk into any city in the country or North America, and I can tell them what to do for the next 50 years. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I, I plan, I, I plan, 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 plan in psychology. There's something that's called the planning fallacy. And the planning fallacy says basically one thing and one thing only, 
human beings can't actually plan. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was not a good day for me. Uh, yeah. Really, uh, thank you, Daniel Kahneman, for figuring that out. And they've tested that in 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 both genders and in multiple uh, cultures. Human beings can't plan, and it's governed by something that uh, by a law um, called the Hofstetter's law. And Hofstetter, Douglas Hofstetter, said human beings cannot accurately estimate complex tasks, even if they're aware of Hofstetter's law. Hmm. So even if you know that you suck at this, you will still suck at this. <laughs> and the reason is, is so we can't start at the beginning of these huge projects, like these multi-billion dollar projects that I had. The first thing that I would do is I would sit down and I would say, these are all the things that we have to do in order to get the project done. And the big things do a, uh, an initial environmental assessment, do an alternatives analysis, uh, do this, do that. Those macro things are very easy to plan for. The micro things will screw you every time. Yeah. Because we simply don't know how things are going to fall out. And what happens is we make plans and then we blame fate when they don't work and we take credit ourselves when they do. Okay. We're like, what? I'm so awesome. Oh, we failed. It's because of you. Yeah. It's because of that snowstorm or the earthquake or the hurricane. It's like, well, you know what? When have you ever had a project where something weird didn't happen? Yeah. It's going to happen. So what we do is we have large projects and we break those projects down as needed. So it's like, okay, we know we're going to have to do uh, an environmental assessment. And we know that in general, environmental assessments end up costing about $1.4 million. But I'm not even going to scope it. Hmm. So we get to the part where we start it, then I'm going to scope it. And even when I scope it, I'm going to break out the biggest chunks. And then we'll pull each chunk. And as we pull each chunk, then we'll break it down into, into tasks. So if you're renovating a house... You don't want the task to be renovate a house, nor do you want the task to be renovate the kitchen, even though it's only part of the house. When you get ready to renovate the kitchen, then you can pull in, buy tile, get granite, source appliances, and so forth, call plumber and whatnot. And the reason that you're doing that is you're always waiting until what Lean calls the last responsible moment to commit yourself to those decisions. Hmm. If you prematurely commit to those decisions, you engage in what the Buddhists would call attachment. You become attached to your, your plan and then you can't let go of it. And then you become this little tyrant that says, no, we have to finish by April 15th. And it's like, well, you can have crap by April 15th or you can have something actually that you like by, by June 1st. Sorry, <laughs> which do you want? Do you want you know? Do you want to make your deadline, or do you want a good product? So when we built, we have a little vacation house on on the Washington coast, and when we built that, our builders said that they were going to build the whole house in fourteen weeks, and that's because you can build a house like that in fourteen weeks. Uh, it just so happened at the time that we built, uh, it was, you know, at the, you know, the pre, pre-crash economy, things were really hot uh, on the coast. 
everyone was building a house and they were really overworked. And so they said, we'll have this done in 14 weeks. And I said, I don't think you're going to have it done in 14 weeks. And then they got insulted. And I said, we're, we're professional builders. It's like, no, really? <laughs> this is kind of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Show me uh, plan and let me laugh. Yeah. All, I, all I'm doing is saying, you, I actually want to give you more time to do your work. No, no, no. We'll have it done in 14 weeks. And sure enough, 28 weeks later, we moved into the house. Yep. Uh, and the whole time, they were blaming it on stuff. And I was like, no, there's no blame here. You actually, everything's fine. Hmm. So when people set up their boards, um, uh, after doing this for a decade now, I've seen thousands of boards in thousands of contexts and at homes, uh, working with kids and medicine, uh, software, uh, government, uh, banking, uh, every vertical I've seen people build boards. I've never seen the same exact board twice. Mm. Even the options doing done the simple board, everybody always adds some interesting twist to it. Uh, and that's by design. Uh, if the system wasn't that flexible, then it would only be useful to a few people. But as it is, we all have stuff to do. We all have to do it. And then we all need to take credit for and be reminded of when it's completed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to transition to the last piece of this, which was what I said to you, I mean, the book shouldn't be called personal Kanban so much as personal responsibility. Um, (laughs) That was still great. Yeah. (laughs) Because um, I find that when, when, when things are visual, Mm -hmm. when you have the ability to, at the end of work, assess how did this go? What was, you know, what was in my way? How could I improve and get faster mm-hmm. uh, the next time I do this? It's almost like playing a game with yourself. Yep. But because we didn't really get a chance to talk about this, but hopefully you guys got the idea. This system is predicated on the part that you pull work. You're not pushed work upon you. So yep. you actually have a say in what you do every single day. Mm-hmm. Where this kind of, you know, this is why I actually reached out to Jim uh, besides to get this interview was I realized that for me, I'm 35 years old today. I picked up this book, you know, maybe four or five months ago and was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, for 35 years, I've been doing it all wrong or whatever, 30 years, let's say, right? (laughs) Probably get a pass. Yeah, (laughs) probably a little bit more, but let's, whatever, we'll go with that. I mean, my, my thinking was, what if we actually taught kids from a very, very young age how to actually do this? And Mm -hmm. I know there are schools around the world that use this methodology. Uh, And I know that there are parents that you work with, uh, especially moms that, that get this book and then create with their kids these boards where the kids are actually, you know, doing things. So there's no more arguments at home about, homework or eating Mm -hmm. or brushing their teeth or whatever. And for the kids, it's a game and they program this kind of personal responsibility. They get a say in how the day goes. They get a say in what the rewards are and all that kind of stuff. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that uh, because I don't think that that was the intended use, but it definitely is an outcome of owning your work. Yeah. Yeah owning your results 
and being much more realistic. I hate to use that word, but being much more realistic about what you're able to do in what timeframes and things like that. So could you say more about your experience with moms working with kids, mm-hmm. how this is just revolutionizing that world? Okay. So I'm, I'll, I'll start, I'll start in the adult world and, and work my way back. Sure, please. So, um, uh, I, I learned after working with lots of adults that, uh, the, the differences between adults and kids are that adults have learned a little bit more emotional regulation, but they're basically still exactly the same people. hundred <laughs> percent. And so, um, what happens when you're a kid and something upsets you is you flip out. You're like, you're like, dude, what the really seriously? And then you like kick and break things and go crazy. When you're an adult, what you do is you sit there quietly and go. And then when the person that you can't talk around leaves, you're like, dude, seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly the same reaction. But, But what happens in the adult world is that I've seen this time and time again, when there's a problem in the office, people won't, people won't act. They will complain about it, but they won't act. But the moment that you make that problem visible, like there's a ticket on the board that won't move because of something, people will solve it because visually they can't stand the sight of the problem. Hmm. The concept of the problem is easy to just bitch about, but the sight of it causes us to want to fix it. And the example I use of this is people are like, you know, uh, there's a whole lot of homeless teenagers out there. And that's terrible. Someone should do something about that. But if we all wanted people to do something about that, we'd move all those homeless teenagers. We just, we just assign them to people. We say, all right, that homeless teacher is going to, teenager is going to live with you now. And then all of a sudden people are like, I better solve this homeless teenager thing right away. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, uh, with parents and with kids, kids don't need to learn how to do this. There, you, if you put the board in front of them, kids are like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's, there's no teaching them. You move the ticket. The kids are like, yeah, that, look, um, I play incredibly complicated video games every day. Moving, moving these tickets is not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Real brain-busting work, mom. That's right. But what it does do is it again, so this thing, this, this eyeballs, nose, and mouth thing is a political tool. And when we open our mouths, politics pour out. Mm. So when you tell your kid, do this thing, the kid hears, I am being told to do this thing by evil overlord. (laughs) If you put a thing on a board and say, this thing is logical, rational, and necessary, and even you as a kid know that, the kid's like, man, I don't want to do that, but okay. And then parents will do a variety of things. They'll say, once you move those four tickets from the study column into, uh, into done, then you can move the, uh, the Xbox ticket or whatever. Um, you know, if you, uh, I don't want to overload you, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to you know, move, move two of the study tickets, then you get like a half hour of Xbox to kind of unwind, and then you can come back and do two more study tickets. Uh, so don't don't turn home into another regimented school situation. Yeah. Um, the other, you know, and then so it's funny because we talk about how kids today are like superly overscheduled. 
But the more that I look at it, it's that actually parents don't feel comfortable letting their kids walk places anymore. Hmm. I, I played soccer and baseball and I had other activities and I did stuff with my friends and I had schedules that I had to adhere to for those things. And no one freaked out about it because no one ever drove me anywhere in Grand Island, Nebraska. Interesting. Right? <laughs> it's true. There was no schedule, right? Uh, whether it was, you know, speech or whatever, uh, that we just did the things that we needed to do. Um, so I'm not so concerned with the scheduling part that people seem to be freaked out about. But what I am, what I do want is for kids to ingest that they have options again of things that they can do and that the goal in life is to get things to the done column that you're proud of and that reward you. So I just wanted to pause here for a moment and let you know that if you're someone who's ready to take massive steps in your relationships, your health and your finances, we've created an amazing tool for you. There is an all new Satori Prime app now available in the iTunes and Google Play Store all you have to do is go there and type Satori Prime and download it today. Now, you'll immediately gain access to our 10-part mini-series where we're going to delve into your limiting beliefs, your fears, and all that's been holding you back from truly living the have-it-all life. More than that, you'll be able to share your victories with your fellow Satorians as well as ask Guy and I for feedback about anything that's occurring in your life today. So if you've ever wanted to delve deeper into the concepts similar to the ones that we share here with you every single week, well, now you can. So just go grab the app either in the iTunes store or the Google Play store. If you want to download it to your desktop, you can also go to app.satoriprime.com and grab it there and start your journey today. And with that, let's jump back into the podcast. A hundred percent. I mean, there's a story I heard uh, from Bo Eason, who was a football player, and he showed up, he got traded to the 49ers towards the end of his career, he was a safety, and he prided himself on working harder than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So he was always, on every team, he was always the first guy on the field, the last guy off the field, first mm -hmm. guy in the gym, last guy off the So he shows up to 49ers, first day, not even training camp, this is like, you know, pre-whatever they do, the workouts. Mm -hmm. And he uh, shows up on the field, and Jerry Rice is on the field. Uh -huh. I'm like, wow, okay, that's odd. So they start doing the first drill, which is just this, like, little outpost pattern, and all these rookies, you know, that are trying to make the team and are out there, and they're just kind of like – it's like a warm-up. So they're just, like, yep. jogging, you know, this and that, put up their hands, grab it, run back to the coach, throw them the ball, et cetera. Jerry Rice gets up there. It's like full-out sprint, cut, full-out sprint, catch the ball. 80 yards all the way to the end zone. <laughs> and this guy's looking at him like, what the? <laughs> and he does this every single time. Yep. So practice is over. Jerry Rice is still out there sprinting, doing all this stuff. And this guy, Bo, comes up to him and goes, Bo, I mean, uh, Jerry, I have to ask you, like, what was that all about with running into the, like, full sprints running to the end zone? He goes, I've trained my brain. That every mm -hmm. time these hands touch the ball, my body ends up in the end zone. <laughs> and there's no, I mean, how do you doubt the fact that he's a hundred catch, a hundred touchdowns ahead of anybody else yeah. and no one will ever yeah. catch him. Right. And so just the fact of training your kids from an early, mm -hmm. age, we all know that 
most human beings suck at completing work. Yeah. But if you just train your brain, train your body that this is how work is done. Like Mm -hmm. I do stuff to get stuff to this column. I don't care about starting stuff. I care about finishing stuff. And you do that from day one. Like Mm -hmm. what kind of kid would that be growing up? Well, and so there's two things about that. So the first is that that most kids, you know, uh, and probably most of us will recognize this. Uh, we would wake up on Saturday morning or whatever. Uh, we would grab whatever thing to build things that we had, that we had yep. vector sets or Legos or models or whatever. And our parents would have to force us to eat because we were so focused on building whatever the heck it was that we were building. Then video games happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, but even with, even so, so the video games that we grew up with, were like jump over this thing. That's true. <laughs> Video games now are like series of tasks. Yeah, they're all they're all task based, um, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but but the cool thing about with kids is that kids are predisposed to want to do this anyway. Mm. To give them and any of us a system to visualize what success looks like and to remember that success happened so that we can repeat success in the future. So Jerry Rice had sex success defined. Yeah. His vivid definition of success is I will, and I will be in the end zone. Damn it. Yep. And um, so yes, helping kids see that is important, but the other thing that's been important for us is that a lot of parents and therapists of kids who either uh, are dealing with issues with ADHD or with Asperger's who have different learning styles can use this tool to remind them of where they are in the process of getting anything done. So for ADHD kids who are extremely unlikely to finish but very likely to start things, the gift of most ADHD kids is they're mostly brilliant. Mm-hmm. But if you have a thing that's shaped like this and it is 95% boring work and 5% unbelievably difficult work, they will actually do all the difficult work and then leave the boring stuff. Hmm. They're not procrastinating. They're not leaving the hard stuff. <laughs> they're actually probably doing the hard stuff and leaving the boring stuff. So with them, what we want to do is say, look, you can't, it, once you start one of these three things, one of these things, and you can only do three at a time, you actually have to finish something. And then what they'll do is they'll look at that other 95% now and they'll say, huh, what's the least amount I have to do to get that boring crap done, hmm. which is exactly what you want to do to be effective and efficient. <laughs> so then that helps them change the nature, the game of work. Uh, or of life to, I want to complete the most amount of things rather than I want to do the fun stuff. Then with, on the other side, with the hyper-focused or at least um, stereotypically hyper-focused people where they will get stuck in perfection loops Mm. and they'll pull one ticket and that ticket will sit there for six months. Now the game is move that ticket to done as quickly as you can, such that you think that that whoever is expecting it isn't going to send it back to you. So what does the customer want? So not is your school work perfect for you, but is it perfect for your teacher? 
Uh, and there's, there's instant feedback in that also because they're doing that and then they're reprogramming this, this thing in their brain, which is, wow, I got that to them, not the way I thought it would be perfect, but I still got a great grade or I still achieved an excellent score on this pro- or whatever. And right. it starts reprogramming what they perceive as necessary. It, it changes the definition of perfection. Yeah. Okay. So uh, those, those usages of, of these boards have just been thrilling to watch. And we've seen that happen both professionally and, uh, and, and with kids as well. I mean, we've compl- I, I will just say this flat out. I think if you guys don't spend, I don't know how much the book is on Amazon. I think it was like mm-hmm. 17 bucks, 18 bucks, something yeah, like that. It, it, it all depends on what Amazon wants to charge for it, you know, today. That, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's under 20 bucks. Okay. Yep. Um, I, I'm telling all of you guys that are listening to this right now, I think you're an absolute idiot <laughs> if you don't at least pick up this book and see what's possible for you. If you have kids, like mandatory, get on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you like it um, and, and you, it does resonate with you and you want to take that education further, that's where Jim and Tony Ann actually come in. So tell them a little bit about uh, Modus and what you guys are doing there. Well, so we have two elements of our company. Uh, the first is Modus Cooperandi. And we do consulting either with uh, companies or with with individuals. Uh, We've worked with the largest companies and governments in the world, and we've worked with single moms. (laughs) So uh, our goal, Tony Ann's and my goal, is basically to make people happy with the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the harder the challenge, the the more confusing things are, the, the the better we enjoy that. Um, what we will usually do is we will help people first understand the work that they have, which, which most of us unfortunately do not, you know, we know what we do, but we don't actually understand all the variables in the work. And then the second thing is just develop a system that is tailor made to do the work you do, the people you're doing it for and the goals that you have. Um, so that's that, uh, on the other side, we have something that's called Modus Institute, and that is an online school. We have two classes there, and one of them is a personal Kanban class. Uh, and there are basically two levels to that class. One, you can just sign up and watch the videos and learn. But the one that is certainly the most thrilling for us is that we have biweekly meetings with the students. So everybody talks about how they're implementing things, what issues they're having with working, how, how life is going. And Tony Ann and I and the other, the other uh, participants, you know, all work together to help solve people's problems. And it has been, uh, it's been <laughs> nearly a religious experience uh, of going through that. Uh, so th- those are the two, two things we have. We have a couple other books. Um, one is called um, Why Plans Fail, which is the psychology of work. And the other one is called... Um, uh, um, uh, Why Limit Whip, which is kind of a novel about a poor guy who learns how to limit his whip in a real-world environment. Whip, whip, by the way, guys, work in progress. Um, yeah. um, so where do people find out, uh, once they get the book and all that stuff, where do they find out how to join one of these classes? 
to learn more, we would go to personalconbond.com uh, and Modus Institute is modusinstitute.com. But it's probably easier <laughs> to go to personalconbond.com and click on the Modus Institute link. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Again, yeah, there's, there's literally 10 years of blog posts and interviews and stuff on, on personalconbond.com. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff there. Here, here's what I love. Also, the book has a lot of examples of different people using this for different things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, chances are you'll probably find the thing that you're trying to do that's in there and someone has a map and all this stuff. But again, mm-hmm. don't get locked into that. It's more about as you read it, here's what will happen. As you read it, you're like, oh, my brain organizes stuff this way. Mm-hmm. And this will show you how to organize stuff in your life in the way that works for you. So if you're a stay-at-home mom and you feel like you're running around running errands and doing this and that, and you just feel drained, you can build a system around that. Yep. If you're a entrepreneur, like a solopreneur, and you're trying to figure out how to structure your day, there's a way to do that. If you run a virtual team, there's a way to do that. I mean, whatever you struggle with in being productive, I want you to give up the idea of being productive and take on the idea of being effective. And this will show you how to do that. And I'll just leave it with this one last quote, which it's so funny because even even the even though this was very what's the word I want to like very technical in, in the, the material, it always had an undertone of mindset. It always mm-hmm. had an undertone of psychology, which is the world that we delve in. And our, our entire event is overcoming fear is, is using mm-hmm. fear as your guide to your best life. And in this book, you have this quote that I literally wrote. I was like, use this in, in <laughs> our, and it was, in the absence of clarity, it's easy to become mired in fear. Personal Kanban visualizes and demystifies our fears, transforming them into issues to solve and tasks to take action on. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, I'm <laughs> glad you said it because I think that's what you've handed the world. The world <laughs> needs to catch up to grab it. So I apps, guys, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. It will change your life. Every single person I've shared it with, I've already probably bought people like 15 copies at this point. Um, every single person writes me a letter like, holy shit, how did I not know this? This is, this is going to change my life. So hopefully you got a good sense of it. I think the book obviously will give you a lot of details that we couldn't cover here, obviously, in an hour. And then I just want to leave this, this open-ended to you, Jim. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience? Last final thoughts, tips, et cetera? Well, uh, I think the, the the thing that I've been noticing with people that I've been working with recently is a, two things. Uh, one, uh, and this was a big surprise to me, but it's become very clear, is that, uh, you know, I was talking about that I was doing the Pomodoro, so I was being very meticulous about stopping every 25 minutes. And then I realized that I'd been working for three hours and I hadn't hadn't looked up. When we do that, uh, we don't get exercise and we don't hydrate, mm. which basically means that not only are we using our brains, you know, a lot, which uses a lot of our energy, but we're also, we're actually hurting our brains. And what science is showing now is that these actions, these activities, this overwork in knowledge work is 
likely one of the major causes of the rise in Alzheimer's. Wow. So um, I really want to kind of drive home the mindfulness part of this, which is don't don't get buried in a ticket for hours and not come up for air. Mm. While that's fun from a focus perspective, it's really dangerous from you as a, as a human perspective. And this is the thing that we use to make our money. If we break it, do everything. Yes. <laughs> if, we, if we break it, uh, we're, we're in a serious world of hurt. The second thing is like one of the things that we'll tell, you know, whether we're working with, you know, Comcast or JP Morgan or the U.S. Department of Patents and Trade, um, we tell people that what we're really there for is to get people to understand their work so that you do see what you're doing. You do lower that fear and you, that fear makes you lowering that fear makes you less anxious, which makes you not only do a better job. But then when you do go home to your families, you're less stressed, you're less likely to lash out, and the world hopefully will become kind of a better place, uh, which is, I know it's a, a no, I'm sorry, super big picture thing, but it's really important to us that this be fiendishly, conspicuously practical, mm. but the, the benefits of it aren't just get more crap done. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's videos going around right now about the work that your work life, you know, we start, let's say at like 17 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, we end right now, probably around 70. I doubt that most people are ending at 65. Mm -hmm. um, so you're talking about, you know, 75, 80% of your life mm -hmm. is spent in that bubble. And I know yep. the message for a lot of people is like, well, if that's the amount of time that you spent, you might as well do what you love, which I'm in total 100% agreement with. But even if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to take that step and you are going to go into kind of like the normal, you know, corporate world, et cetera, like Jim said, where most people struggle is they bring that work home. They bring the anxiety, they bring the fear, they bring all that stuff home. And mm -hmm. 80% is not just affecting your 80%. It's literally affecting everything. Yeah. When you do this, it eliminates so much of that. It, it, your brain, you can go upstairs or, you know, for me, go upstairs. You can drive your car on the way to work and there's like nothing there because mm -hmm. you just know all I have to do, I don't even have to think. All I have to do is show up at work. I have this board. It tells me exactly what to do. I do that thing. I accomplish what I need to do. I go mm -hmm. home. I'm good. Yep. Or you look at it and you say, I don't want to do that. And you wad it up and you throw it away. That's it. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know we went a little bit long today. Yep. Uh, I know you have, you're a busy man with a lot of things to do. Uh, it would have been this funny if we did this awesome. like Pomodoro style where like we took 25 minutes, we stopped for five, we came back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. Where can people connect with you best? Probably through the personal combiner, the modus cooperandi sites. Okay. Uh, I'm our founder on Twitter, O-U-R-F-O-U-N-D-E-R. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Thank you for coming up with this for the world. So one last reminder before we wrap up here today, if you haven't already grabbed the app that all of your fellow Satorians are going gaga over, then I would recommend to do it right now. Well, I guess if you're driving, maybe not just this second. 
But when you get a chance, go to your iTunes or Google Play Store, search for Satori Prime and download it today. You'll get access, like I said earlier, to an amazing and life-changing 10-part mini-series. And if you want to know the clear steps to create the have-it-all life for yourself, this app is an absolute must. Like I said, and you can hear in my voice, we are incredibly excited to share it with you and be with you inside of our community. So we'll see you there. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, You'll only get an email or two from us per week, and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love. Promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group, where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all, and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. Bye.